Welcome to the Custom Apparel Startups Podcast, your best source for information, news, tips, and tricks to get you off the ground running and earn success with your custom apparel decorating business. So get ready to soak up some knowledge. Now, here are your hosts, Mark and Mark. Hey everyone, and welcome to episode 73 of the Custom Apparel Startups Podcast. My name is Mark Stevenson from Coldesi. And this is Mark Vila with Coleman and Company. And Mark, I'm stoked today because we've got another guest with us. Yeah. Okay. And it's a it's a surprise guest. Mark's actually never met this guy before, so I'm gonna give you some clues. Um, he was uh, a former uh, president of a famous country. Yes. Yeah, not one of those little countries that you've never heard of. No. The famous one. Yes. It, it rhymes. He... It rhymes with Fanada. <laughs> yeah. Uh, he's won all types of awards all over the world for all types of things having to do with marketing. Or, or more importantly, yeah, he could be a really highly qualified um, trademark, patent, and copyright attorney that can help our listeners understand. The best ways well, to use trademarks and copyrights in images. Did you read the show notes before? No, I did not. Oh, because that's actually who it is. Okay, okay. then. Well, so, so be it. Uh, Seth Gardenwit. Seth Gardenswartz is here. And um, we've had the opportunity to talk and speak with uh, Seth for a little while now. And you guys are going to love to hear everything he has to say. So I'm going to give you a couple seconds on, on why you're going to love to uh, listen to this episode. And why it's important, too. But... He's a trademark attorney, uh, but he's not really boring or bland like uh, basically every attorney is. No offense to any attorneys. No, listening. no, but he but he probably dresses well like an attorney. <laughs> I'm sure he does. Do um, he writes well. <laughs> he writes notes. He writes like really an good notes. He writes uh, really but he has a specialty in marketing and branding, and not just doing trademark for marketing and branding, but actually understanding the concepts and having experience in marketing and branding. So you guys are going to get a bunch of great education about copyrights and trademarks and also probably a bunch of great notes about marketing and branding too. Yeah. So, so, so actually his only award really is the, the real one is the heart of a marketer award. Yeah. First time ever uh, granted to an attorney. There you go. There you go. <laughs> All right, Seth, defend yourself. I mean, introduce yourself to everyone here. Well, first of all, full disclosure, I am not a patent attorney. So uh, okay, uh, that's good. a whole separate separate thing, a whole separate wardrobe, which I just can't pull off. So uh, so thank you for uh, that introduction. I, uh, as we were talking earlier, I really grew up in a, a local business where my, my folks had retail sporting goods stores in, uh, in a couple states and several cities. And actually my grand my grandparents were in the business before that. So I grew up with a real front row seat on the task of a local merchant marketing their brand and their identity to the prospective consumers. And also because we were retailers, we were also marketing the goods of some of our vendors, which were Nike and Oakley and Adidas and Spalding and some of the the very big brands, Trek bicycles, that yeah. that that people um, interact with, and I got to really see and learn from those from those professionals. And then Dad told the business, and I had a crisis, went to law school, and uh, now I'm I'm trying to recover by focusing on something that builds value. There you go. I appreciate that. So you have you have um, you've got a history of companies with no sense of humor at all. Yes. 
um, about their about their brand and how you use it. Yes. Um, and this is a kind of question, you know, we've got um, if you listeners, if you're not already a member, uh, you should be. We've got a group on Facebook called Custom Apparel Startups. There's a little over 9000 professionals or or people that want to be in the custom T-shirt business um, that are in there every day. And they're asking questions about the business. And the one reason that, that it's great to have you on today, Seth, is that the most common questions are the ones that we're going to ask and you're going to talk about. And the first one is kind of what's what's the difference between trademarks and copyrights and, and really why does that matter to people like our customers? Yeah, so uh, that's that is a great question and I wish more people asked it. So there's there's three sort of standard protectable registrable forms of intellectual property. And you know one of the one of the core things to understand about intellectual property is it's property. So what is property, you may ask yourself. Um, do you know, Mark, do you know? Um, no, you, normally it's like something I can hold. That's what I think of. I it's think a, of property is yeah, something you, it's, it's, uh, it's something that you own oh, that you have yeah. stake to. Yeah. So, so that's all true, but it's a little circular because, uh, so what does ownership mean? Like that's, that's like the super excruciatingly, um, uh, experience you might have in law school. Okay, Mark, that's good. What does ownership mean? So, right. so ownership fundamentally means the right to exclude. So if you have ownership of anything, you're able to exclude somebody else in some way, shape, or form. So you think about your house, you can say, hey, Mark, you can make Mark not able to come to your house. And other people can't yes. just walk into your house. You, you I've done that. Not, actually. I do. Yeah. That's how, that's how, we, that's have, how we, we do that. That's how we do that. Right. Exactly. You can even put a sign up. So, yeah. so intellectual property gives you the right to exclude people from using that, that property. So, so that's, that's important to understand before we talk about the differences. So the differences between trademark and copyright, copyright is the ownership of an original work. So if I draw a picture or if I write a song or if I sing a song or make a video or take a photograph or write some code, then I own that original work. And, I, and my, cop, my rights, my copyrights attach as soon as I've published them. In other words, as soon as I've made them available to the, to the public. So my ownership right prevents somebody else from copying them. So, of course, we're familiar with, you know, on every uh, NFL uh, broadcast you hear, this broadcast is the exclusive property of the National Football League, any rebroadcast, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. So what they're saying is you can't, you know, record that and rebroadcast it for, for profit. Like, that's, it's theirs. They created it. They spent a ton of money and resources to deliver that broadcast, and they, they own it. So... There's a and there's all kinds of um, little niche examples of what a what what is copyrightable and what is what is not copyrightable. But essentially, just think of it as if, well, let's use a T-shirt as a metaphor. Um, yeah. Yeah. So if I draw a picture and I just comes to me this vision for this picture and I draw it, then I own that drawing as soon as I've published it. Right? I, I have to. I, I have to in order for the. the the legally for, for me to establish the copyright, I have to publish it. So if I post it online or if I, if I put it out there for the public to see, then, then that point in time is where my, my copyrights attach. So now if somebody buys, let's say, let's say, Mark, you love this, this little image I've created. You say, Hey, I want to use that as the logo for my company. Right. Um, right. Then what you're saying is I want to use this 
image for the public to identify me. So I, I think a lot about uh, copyright is the what, like what is the, the, the creative work? And trademark is the who, like who do you think of when you see that creative work? So if you, if you take my triangle with the squiggle in it and say that's going to be your logo, then what you're saying is when people see this logo, they want them to think of you. If they put that, if you put that logo, like I may have thought of it as this image on the chest for a t-shirt, but you may say, no, I'm going to make this little logo inside the label um, in the, in the inside back of the t-shirt. And when people see that label, they, they're going to know that this t-shirt came from my company. Does that make sense? Okay. Yeah. Okay. So may, maybe if, and this might not be a perfect example, but the way I'm thinking about it would be, um, if, uh, if say Nike as a brand comes up with a design for a t-shirt, a, a guy running, you know, yeah. and, and a lady giving him a high five and that's the t-shirt then they might copyright that design. No one else can reproduce that design. They own that. They have ownership of that design. Right. However, the swoosh, which they also have ownership of, that's their trademark because you're, you don't identify a guy high-fiving a girl running as Nike, but right. the swoosh identifies Nike. Right. No, that's, that, that's exactly right. So the, the, the design of their, of their products um, are, are, are copyright. So the, the um, and there's, a, there's another, there's another niche field, which is too geeky to get involved with called uh, design patents. But essentially that, that design, that, um, that, you know, image on the front of the t-shirt, the, the, the runner getting the high five, that's an original work. They own it. Um, and fashion has its own sort of, sort of rules, but you can't just copy that image. So if you go find that artwork out there on the internet, um, and right click on it and download it and then upload it to, um, to your, uh, graphic program, um, you're stealing that, that original work essentially. Um, and the way we say that is infringing because of course we have to invent a new word for what we're doing so we can charge more for it. But uh, yeah, yeah see, is infringement that, is yeah. much more expensive to deal with than, than that. But you know, you know, what's tricky about, what's tricky about it is that, uh, is that uh, we're getting a Oh, we're getting a little bit of feedback. Hopefully it doesn't stay. Um, but what can be really tricky about this is when we think about making something, right? So we think about um, that you took uh, a, a wood and you chopped it up, right? And yeah. you ground it down and you made it into a little wooden table. Okay. A, just a tiny little doll table. Okay. And somebody takes that. Now, you might have gotten the wood for free from from your yard, right. right? Piece of scrap wood, but you took time and you made it. If somebody were to walk into your house and take that, right? They stole that from you. Yeah. Now, the the tricky part about graphics and t-shirts is somebody took something for, for free, basically, which is um, digital dots and stri and stripes and colors. Right. It's that not can an be object. Made. It's That's not what a, you mean. Yeah. yeah. It's not an object that they took, but they still took time and they made something. Yeah. And then, however, it's it's much easier to take it because you can just right-click it, but you don't have to go into their house and take it. But either yeah. way, their time, effort, creative work that they did are, yeah. is something that's being stolen. Yeah, yeah. it is. And, is and, right and we're, we're about to get deep here, right? Because because this is where this amazing 
you know, system that we have protects innovation. Like the whole, the whole idea behind the, the patent and trademark office is to protect innovation. So people can't just steal your stuff, which would create a disincentive for you to go create things. Like in, in, before there was things like patent protection, if you invented a new way to, to make shoes, the shoemakers guild would come burn your house down because, you know, or, or they would just steal your idea, right? There, there was, there was no upside for it for yeah. you. But in this case, um, on, on the patent side and patents are how, right? Um, the, the government basically gives you a 20 year monopoly on how you're doing something as long as you tell everybody else about it. So that way you, we all yeah. get to benefit from the knowledge, but you get to benefit from, from your work. And in copyright, if you create the special design, you benefit from, um, you get to benefit from that work and you're able to show it to the public where the public can potentially copy it, right click it, etc. But you have that, you have that protection. So do do I do I have to do anything to copyright? Or if I just do a design, if I do an original design and I put it up on my t-shirt store, is that act copyrighted you or do own I own the do rights something? to it? When you, when you publish it, you've got you've got the copyright. However, it is not registered. And when you register it, you get some additional very valuable um, tools. Um, you get uh, you get the right to statutory damages because otherwise you're you're only going to get actual damages. And actual damages, like if you if someone sold two or three T-shirts, then your actual damages might be the profits from those two or three T-shirts or what your fee would have been. And that's not enough to engage somebody who wants to take that on for litigation. Because, and you might be shocked about this, there are no there are no copyright police, right? There are not there are not you know government employees who run around looking for infringers. You have to enforce this yourself, and right. that costs money. So if you register your copyright, you get statutory damages. Um, and a lot of us on this phone on this podcast have probably gotten some nasty cease and desist letter from a a independent attorney working for, I don't know, maybe Getty Images, who has found somebody that has right-clicked on an image they saw someplace and used it in a in either a publication without permission or much worse on a product that they're yeah. selling. And they are, you know, these guys basically get paid on contract to go, they, they, they're sophisticated programs that find those images and they trace it back to the registered email, the registered website. If it's a online usage and you get these CND letters and they're, Particularly when those when those copyrights are registered, they get all those tools. They get statutory damages, seven hundred fifty dollars per um, per uh, instance, and it can go way up from there. So, and if it's willful, it's um, it could be one hundred and fifty thousand dollars. You get attorneys' fees. You get um, those kinds of things. So, if you if you create a original work, let's just say an image, and you're planning to use it commercially it's worth it to register it. And, and copyright registration is relatively easy and or inexpensive. Um, trademark registration is yeah. or can be much more involved. So, so if I had a t-shirt store and I had a um, hundred original designs and I decided I wanted to 
copyright right. all of those as mine. Ballpark, how much effort, like hours of work and money might I expect to spend to do that? Because I'm always looking at like, what's going to be my return on that if, if I have to infringe? So yeah. if I'm, if I'm going to sell, if I have 100 designs, but I'm not that big of a store and I don't plan to be that big because I'm really just a micro small business and, and I'm only going to sell... You know, I'm gonna sell 500 shirts a year. Yeah, is it gonna be design. is it gonna be worth it if somebody steals it? Um, versus if I'm like really want to grow big and I'm like, well, I'm gonna I'm hoping to sell 10,000 of each shirt in five years. I can see. Well, all right, the copyright is that math is easy on the big one. Yeah. So what, what about the small? So, yeah. What are those you know, numbers? The, the basic, the standard filing fee, just the, so the fee that you pay the government to to register your copyright is 55 bucks. Um, it it can be a little bit less. If you're registering um, one work that you made yourself, in other words, because if you go back to the, the example of your shop, odds are you probably hired a contractor to help create some of those 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 works. And so, um, so you know, now we're back to our fifty-five dollars. There are group registration rates, and if you're going to have an attorney do it, I would say if, if you if you if you came to them and said, "Hey, I got one copyright. How much is it going to cost to register it?" You know, they're going to they're going to charge you to set up the relationship. You're going to sign an engagement letter. You know, they're, they're, it's going to be a little bit more to hire, to do one than to do 10 at a time or a hundred at a time, or to say, Hey, you're going to be on retainer. I'm going to, I'm going to file, you know, five or 10 of these a month. So, but, but the, the, the fee to yeah. the government is, is, you know, 35 to 55 bucks per original work. And if you, if you think about, what that's worth to you, like having that copyright for any one of them may not ever look like something valuable. If you go sell your company, they're going to want to know that you've, you've got rights in all of that artwork because the fact is, so let, let's go back to your, let's use the example. So let's say you've got this t-shirt company, it's an online store and all you do is design original works and, and sell them. So there's, so there's, so let's yeah. say I want to buy your company. So what am I buying? Well, the only thing let's say I'm a, let's say I'm a big screen printer. Um, the only thing that you've got that I don't have there is intellectual property. You've got the designs that I want because that's that's special. It's obviously creating creating cash flow for you, and you've got a brand. Yeah. So you're so because you've sold these T-shirts and because you keep bringing these particular designs to market. When I see one of those designs or when I see the name of your company, I think, oh, that's probably going to be a cool design. So if, if you take it a step further, if you walk into a department store and you see a Prana t-shirt, you though, well, you know, Prana's got really cool sort of fitness, yoga inspired t-shirt designs. And even a pretty plain T-shirt with just that little Prana logo in the in the um, corner there, that evokes a certain yeah. feeling for me, almost independent of the design that's on that particular shirt. Because when I see the when I see or hear the name Prana, I think of all the cool stuff I've ever seen them do, or all the crappy stuff I've ever seen them do. It's a constant. Right. One of the um, one of the Disney guys, um, I think it was Michael Eisner, said, "You know, a a brand, and that now we're now we're going on to the brand piece. A brand 
A brand is not the trademark. Um, the brand is the living, breathing, constantly evolving compilation of all the things that all the experiences that you've ever had with that company or with that entity. Those are that's, it's basically the feeling that you get when you see that brand. And it can be a really good feeling or it can yeah. be a really bad feeling or it can be kind of an uncomfortable feeling. Like when you when you see the the um, like you know, Edsel, the, the, the brand um, Edsel, the car, wound up becoming this a, a, a brand for kind of a failed product, right? Like a, like a very, um, like, like a, a, a miss, a, a, miss a, a big um, difficult thing. Yeah. Um, whereas Tesla has a yeah. very different brand. Like when you think Tesla, it's like, oh, Tesla's now making cell phone batteries. You'd be like, well, wow, it's probably a badass cell phone battery because their cars are amazing. Like, so, you know, that's, that brand gives you, what, what gives you pricing power. It gives you that additional feeling. Someone asked me this question once and I, it was in, I do a lot of work in the, in the craft beer space. You know, imagine you've got two identical beers one in a blank can that says beer and the other in a can with a brand on it. The, the value of the brand is how much more you can sell a branded can for. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, so that, that makes sense. You, so let me since you, since you, since you, yes. uh, since you mentioned um, as, as, as one of your examples. So this is a common thing for, for our customers um, that it sounds like has to do with copyright is that, you know, uh, everyone knows that, that a few companies like Disney, um, Universal, Warner Brothers have SWAT teams of copyright attorneys um, that fly around the country and shoot people shoot if them, they use their logos. Might be less painful, right? Yeah. But, you know, they do. They yeah. have seen it. <laughs> they, allegedly. <laughs> um, so, but what will happen is, is they'll, they'll say a couple of things. Say, well, I'm just, you know, I'm just doing this for my family. Or um, I've just got these couple of shirts that I want to print that have Mickey Mouse right. in the corner. But, you know, the rest of it is my design. Can you, can you talk about that kind of scale of... Yeah, you know, so trouble and not trouble. I would say that would be kind of like going into a biker um, bar and um, hitting on one of the um, boyfriends or girlfriends of the people there and saying, hey, I just thought she was cute. Um, okay. You're asking for trouble that you cannot dig yourself out of. It's if you're talking about. So let me back up for a second. First things first, why do you have the mouse in the design? Ask yourself that first. If you've got the mouse in the design because it kind of reminds you of Disney or of Mickey, you're screwed and you're dumb if you use it because they are going to shut you down. That is, and that's not copyright, that's trademark. That is, that mark okay. yeah, yeah. identifies their brand. And it doesn't have to be an identical copy. It only has to be, it only has to create a likelihood of confusion in the mind of the purchasing public. So, 
So so yeah. So if somebody right. thinks it might be a exactly. Disney shirt, exactly. right? They think and it might be one. Then then you're in violation. Yeah, and it it reminds me of um, we had this uh, this customer. Um, this is all so long ago, but he had um, this idea of making flags for um, for like for like college football teams. Okay. And um, all he did was he put um, he put words that it were nothing related to the team, but they were in the colors and the fonts that he used kind of looked like their fonts, but what they weren't. Um, so although so although it was not in no way it didn't look like it, it I mean, it looked kind of like it. However, when I looked at it, I was like, oh, that's Penn State. And he's like, yeah, it's a Penn State flag. Oh, yeah. Right? Oh, yeah. He got shut down for years. Yeah. He, he, never, he never started um, his business. Because yeah. it, so, so this is yeah. what I like about trademark, trademark law. And, of course, you don't like it if you're the guy getting shut down. But what I like about it in general is it's, a very, it's very practical. And the, the bummer about it is there's no bright lines because it's very practical, right? It's hard to create bright, bright lines when you're trying to be practical. But if you're creating a likelihood of confusion – and he was doing it intentionally, right? Like he basically said, I want to make something that makes people think about Penn State, but it's not an exact copy of Penn State. So he may, he may not have been infringing on one of their copyright, copyright written designs, but he was definitely infringing on purpose with their brand elements. And the law on this is the, the, the case that, that we read, one of the cases we read about this in law school was about um, two restaurants that were both, um, it was uh, Dos Pesos versus Taco Cabana, I think. Um, and I can't remember who was the plaintiff, who was the defendant, but basically the plaintiff was complaining that the defendant's restaurant just looked a lot like their restaurant and it wasn't any one specific thing. It wasn't like, Oh, their signs identical or their names identical or even close. Not at all. They're saying that the overall impression was close enough that people would get confused. And that's, that's actually called trade dress infringement. So if you, so, so a trademark doesn't have to be a word or an image. It can be a shape or a color or a sound. Dun, dun, dun. If you hear that sound, that NBC sound or that, you know, back, no one on, most people won't remember this, yeah. but used to, people used to make collect phone calls. And when you made a collect phone call, at and oh, had that specific specific sound it would make um, if you dialed that, that, that number. Those are trademarks because when you hear those sounds or, or uh, Harley Davidson has trademarked the sound of their exhaust because they know that other companies are going to try to tune their wow. their engines to sound like a Harley. And they're like, no, that's part of the overall commercial impression of our brand. Smart, right? Like, like, like yeah, it makes sense. Yeah, so that is so, so trademark is pretty broad. And if you, and a lot of people think that they can sort of get away with, oh, it's not the exact font, but it looks like it, doesn't it? Like, yeah, that looks like it doesn't part is the part that will get you in big trouble. So there's, so I live in a, my, my home base, although I, I do work all over the country is um, in this sort of medium sized uh, metro area. And there was a, there was a bakery here, a little local bakery in a strip mall that opened and it called itself Doughboy. 
right? So it opens up, it calls itself Doughboy, and you know, there's from little blurb in the paper, it's like, oh, new bakery on the corner of whatever. And it just so happens that there is a, and just coincidentally, this probably wouldn't have mattered, but there is a General Mills plant here in town. So apparently the owner of the of the bakery gets a cease and desist letter from General Mills saying, hey, you can't use Doughboy for a bakery. We own the trademark. And by the way, we've owned it for 50 years, and it's probably the most, one of the most valuable assets we have. And the owner was like, dude, this is crazy. I just right. have a little tiny bakery. Doughboy was my nickname in school. They can't take that away from me. It's like, oh, yes, they can. You cannot identify yourself as a bakery when another company has spent hundreds of millions of dollars over decades investing in that trade name so that customers, when they see it, they think of them. It turns out that somebody had wandered into the plant and says, oh, cool, you're opening a retail store here in town. They're like, what? <laughs> so so don't, oh, don't think right. that you can... You can say, oh, well, it's, it's small. It doesn't matter. It's like, no, the big companies, it matters a lot. It's their biggest asset. They know that. They're responsible to the shareholders. They can't say, even if they love the little bakery, they can't say, oh, we're going to cut you some slack. They, they cannot do that. They have fiduciary duties to their investors. Institutional so, pension funds. Not going to happen. So you're saying that I waste my time naming my daughter. You're saying I wasted my time naming um, You know, did you waste your time? Probably. But um, is it trademark infringement to name your child after a brand? It's probably child abuse, but uh, it may not be trademark infringement because, and this is another thing. So if Doughboy was a hardware store, General Mills would have had a really hard time shutting them down because a a member right. of the purchasing public is kind of unlikely to go, oh, cool, they're making, you know, they're selling um, hammers and and, um, and power tools now. Not really. But yeah. they're selling baked goods, yes. Now, if they yeah. were selling prepared meals as a restaurant, I don't know. That's, that's sort of more, now we're back in law school. It's like, I don't know, where's the line? Well, can can we run through some some examples, um, you know, of typical questions that we know, get, we and you can maybe give us some guidance on those? <laughs> yes, we did. No, we don't. So, um, so I don't yes, we Gotcha. Yes, this is not legal advice, and I'm gonna I'm gonna preface the entire podcast on this. This we're talking about this to help you get educated, so when you go to your own attorney or your own, you know, trademark attorney or trademark law, however, you kind of have, you've heard some of the words before, you understand what you're getting into. And I'm also just teaching you a little common sense to say, hey, I should probably check with an attorney. Yeah. yeah. And, and I think that's a, maybe we can agree all together that the message is, well, the I, whole I, purpose I of this podcast is checking with an attorney. Like I'm, yeah. I'm trying to just help my, my colleagues um, uh, do nothing but but make more money. But I, I, I think exactly what you said, this is about issue spotting. And I don't want people to say, oh, I know, I won't use the same words or exactly the same font, but I'm using the same colors and and make it because that will make the public think that it's theirs, but it's really not. Don't do that. That will cost you a lot more money 
and calling your attorney and having a five minute conversation say, can I do that? They're going to say no. And that's a much. Well, speaking of common sense, I, I really love what you said about, you know, like if your intent was to make it look yeah. like something, then you're in the wrong. You know, I mean, that's yeah. clear. And that's true. The, the thing about that is true and why this is common sense is because uh, if for our listeners out there who are parents, yeah, right, and your child um, maybe does not bring home a specific uh, uh, letter from their teacher that's something bad and they leave it in the locker and then the mom, oh, how's school going? And, and they kind of vaguely answer and then but they don't actually lie. You know, they don't actually do any, they right. just kind of misdirect everything. Yeah. Then all of a sudden the, the, the parent teacher conference day comes and, and he says, oh, about this. Yeah. Wait, I didn't. So you talk to your child and well, you didn't ask me about that. You didn't. The whole purpose of it was like, no, you were attempting to kind of, you're really misdirecting me. Yeah, it was on purpose. Yeah. And that's what you could do with this copyright and trademark stuff. Yeah. It's like, oh, well. I changed the ear shape and I changed the color. No, but you were you were doing it on purpose. So, so I've got, just got two minutes, two comments about that. <clears throat> the first thing is, is I, I've met Ella, Mark's daughter, and and she would never do that kind of thing. <laughs> no. And I'm also equally sure that at least half a dozen times in Mark's early life that he did do. Those oh, things. oh, I'm sure that I did all, um, all those so, things. <laughs> so really, Seth, what what I was going to ask you about is kind of you had mentioned the words and phrases thing, and that is something that comes up a lot. You know. Can I can I use like a slogan that's been right. on another shirt so, or that a company? So this is a good example of where copyrights and trademarks um, uh, can get confusing uh, pretty quickly. So you know, copyright and, and the statute says it protects the original works of authorship fixed in any tangible medium of expression. All right, um, and so it prohibits the actual copying. Now, generally, short words and phrases, names, titles. Um, slogans are, are generally not protected. Um, be, however, those things, if they become trademarks, are totally protectable and will be protected. So I wouldn't rely on seeing, if you're copying something, I would say, don't do it. It's, it's not, and, and if, you, if you really want to do it, try to get permission. Um, because if you're selling it, um, odds are, at the very least, you're going to have to go defend yourself and say, "Oh no, this this copyright doesn't apply because it's 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 too short. Uh, you know, it's a, it's a two word phrase. Um, it's commonly used. You know, why 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 bother getting into that?" Um, yeah. Well, but but for example, you know, like let's say that they're you know that I'm starting a t-shirt business and my um, right. my niche is is MMA. So, you know, so, and I've seen shirts all over the place that says, you know, like, um, my son or daughter kicks right. ass in MMA or I'm an MMA mom, you know, and, and they're out there and they're, they're published. Is that the kind of thing that I should be worried about or consult an attorney would, about before I so put on my in own general, shirt? that's the kind of short word or phrase that is not, um, that is, that is, is so commonly used. Like, you know, you've got an MMA mom and you've got a hockey mom and a soccer mom and a, you know, band mom and a chess mom and you know, like all that world of Warcraft mom. So yeah. I, I think that 
and, and again, I've done zero research on this issue, so this is not legal advice, and you are crazy if you take it as legal advice, but yeah. um, that is probably less likely to be a problem. But let me give you an actual example that I think is in this industry, which is um, the 12th man. So the 12th man was, um, I think it was Texas Tech that, uh, that was using the phrase to talk about their home field advantage. And they actually filed for and got trademark protection in the 12th man. So what they're saying is that when you hear that phrase, you're thinking about the 12th man as, you know, as our home field advantage, our home team, our, our, our fans and crowd. So a couple of other college football teams started using it and they sent out some, what I would assume to be initially kind of polite letters saying, can't really do that. We own it. And they all stopped. Um, and then a couple of them signed license agreements the one that didn't comply in either way was the Seahawks and they wound up in litigation and ultimately they settled for money. And so now the Seahawks have the right to use the 12th man um, because, but they're paying um, the, the original um, trademark owner. 12th man is a two word phrase and you can say it in numbers or you can say it in letters. You could say it in pictogram. You could say um, you could have the number 12 and a symbol of a man that's still going to have a commercial impression that would make you think of that 12th man. And so if you go try to use that, you're infringing potentially, on the, if you use Seahawks colors, you're going to be infringing on the Seahawks right to use it, which they have bought and paid for, or Texas Tech's right. So, so the, the answer, and I'm going to, I'm going to give this yeah, away, yeah. because this, is, this least, is super valuable. I'm going to give you the answer to every legal question ever have okay. or ever will have. Are you ready? The answer is always yeah. Go. it depends. <laughs> no, 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 no. I no, thought you were no. going to go with cons no, no. You have consult your yeah. attorney, but you got to know what it depends on. Yeah. Yeah. No, I can see that because you mentioned like the Doughboy earlier. And um, so it's like I own a hardware store and I name it Doughboy, but I don't actually have the picture of the Doughboy anywhere near it. It's not even in the same colors. And I can prove, you know, that that, you know, that's my nickname. It's in my high school yearbook and it's just Doughboy hardware. There's probably in that case, it, it, it would be it's a lot. It would be a big attorney battle back and forth and eventually a judge to, to close that down compared to where if that store in the mall you mentioned actually yeah. had the picture of the doughboy on the window, it's much more obvious. Right. And um, so I have two questions that, that um, maybe you can answer quickly or back to back even. But for one is um, how do I know, like, is there a way to easily check like I'm in Alabama and I want to put Roll Tide on a shirt. Is there a is there somewhere I can go to find out if well, Alabama took the right sure. to that? Um, there's a so you can go to the USPTO website and you can search. There's a trademark search feature there. So and and full disclosure on this, um, I as a trademark attorney, a lot of trademark attorneys actually um, do things like trademark clearance and trademark searches. So even though you can search on it, you you may or may not be able to interpret the results. But they've got a lot of self-help 
tools on there. There are a lot of resources. And actually, I'm on, I'm on a panel next month with the, um, at the Craft Brewers Conference with some of the um, with members of the, of the PTO. And one of the things they want to talk about is how many, is that there are a lot of resources for, in, for individuals to go do some of this work themselves. So if you go to, um, if you go, if you go to uspto.gov slash trademark, there is a, um, there's a little green button in the upper right corner called quick links. And then there's one called tests, which is the search trademark database. So you can go do a basic word search and just, punch in the exact phrase you're looking for. So I'm going to do roll tide right now. Too bad we're not in video. And I see. So, and while you're, while you're doing that, so this can kind of, the, the way I see it is like this is like, um, uh, if you go to the biker bar and you see a, and you see a an, a woman that you find attractive and you want to go hit on her and there's a guy with his arm around it, arm around <laughs> her, right? Um, that's the equivalent of you going to the right. this website and seeing right there it says yes, right? <laughs> right. The, the, the arm's around. This is, this is probably this guy's girlfriend. If you go and she's sitting alone, that doesn't mean she's single. So if you go to this website and you don't find it, it doesn't necessarily mean that it doesn't exist. It's just that it's not apparent at this moment. So you could hit on her, then he can come out of the bathroom. You can print this T-shirt that says whatever it is, even because you didn't find it online. But it doesn't necessarily mean you're out of the woods. It doesn't need mean to be. You have to be scared about it. But it's just important to remember. It depends. I just got to say, I'm very uncomfortable with a lot of the examples. That no, we're doing there. good so, today. So let me, let me blow blow what did you find on Roll Tom? If the trademark is registered, it doesn't matter whether you look at it or not. You have what we call in the law biz constructive notice. So constructive, in case you're, in case you're wondering what that actually means, in this case, it means not really. Um, so you don't actually have notice, but the law says we're going to treat you like you did have notice because you could have gone and look it up. And if you went, if you didn't do it, tough luck. We're going to treat you as though you had. That makes sense. So Roll Tide yeah. is a active yeah, registered trademark of the Board of Trustees of the University of Alabama in class six for key rings, metal license plates for land vehicles and license plate frames in class 16 for notebooks, loose leaf binders, writing paper, blah, 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 blah. In class 18 for tote bags. In class 20 for stadium cushions. In class 21 for drinking mugs and stuff like that. In class 25, this is the big one for us, for t-shirts, ladies and men, sweaters, sweatshirts, blazers, yada, yada, yada. In class 27 for doormats. And then interestingly, it was canceled in several other categories for candles, for racket covers and basketballs, um, and for ashtrays and lighters. <laughs> there you go. There's the business. I, I feel and like roll tide ashtrays. Roll tide ashtrays. Oh, yeah, yeah, exactly. I'm, I'm <laughs> buying the URL on GoDaddy right now. Yes, uh, we, we should probably not on this call. We should we should talk about it. But so yeah, so so you can go search the, the database 
One word of caution is that people will say, hey, search the database. I didn't find it. I'm good, right? Wrong. You know, so what's the answer? No. It depends. The answer is it depends. Yeah. Yeah. That, that's like the ba- like the boyfriend was in the bathroom thing. Yeah. You went in there and, and you didn't see right. somebody with his arm around her. Well, it doesn't mean that she doesn't have a boyfriend and that he's not just in a place where you couldn't easily find it compared to if you would have uh, hunted, a, <laughs> if you would have hired a private eye, it was creepy. You hired a private well, eye and be like, this girl, so this girl in the bar, is she? Uh, does she have a boyfriend <laughs> and you hire a private eye for two like weeks so, so <laughs> and then if he doesn't find it then you're probably highly likely but still it depends so, so let me completely yeah. dis- derail this part of the conversation <laughs> uh, and, and let me ask you because you know in addition to whether or not we can use this phrase um, and whether or not we can copy um you know, copy this image off of one of our competitors or off of some national brand. We also we also get the question about you know your your own trademark, right. like your own business name, your own your own letters. You know, how do you yeah? So that's, how do you that's get a, that's a really good question. And, and so and this is what I do every day. First of all, you you've got to start. You want to start okay. with a good mark. And most most a lot of my clients come to me. When they've already been in business for a couple of years and they, 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 they're kind of pretending that they don't want to know, but they know there's, there's something that, that they should know about. The first thing to do is to, is to check and see what the namespace looks like around your, your business name right now. Because a lot of people think that they go, like if you're in Florida, right? And, and if, if, let's say the four of us, like Mark, Mark and Seth, want to go open a yep. taco truck and, and we just register our LLC with the state of Florida and it says, um, you know, Mark, Mark and Seth is, uh, is, is your LLC is your corporate name. You're like, wait, I got it. Right. That is not true at all. Like all you're doing with the, with the, with the state, um, corporations division is creating a unique name that, and it can be unique by one letter. They don't care at all. It's not your trade name or it doesn't have, it could be your trade name, but, but they don't do any additional checking around that. If we were instead of the taco truck, if we were going to do a real estate project, yeah. we might buy a piece of land, subdivide it into three parcels, and parcel one would be MMS one, and parcel two would be MMS two, and parcel three would be ML MMS three, right? So no, those are not distinctive names. But then we might call it, you know, um, you know, Lagoon of the um, Bottomless IPA, right? That would be or subdivision and assuming that that name is not confusingly similar to something else and is distinctive, which it probably is for a residential um, um, or office real estate project, um, then we would have the opportunity to go apply for trademark protection. If you don't apply for trademark protection, um, a little bit like copyright, you still have, you still may have common law rights, but the most important thing back to your question, I'll try to answer it is, you should to, to get and keep your trademark first understand if you're in business what the namespace is. If you're not in business yet, if you're about to open a new business, I really encourage you to work with a professional to help you find a name that is distinctive. And I would start with that way before your logo. Your logo is secondary. Um, you're going to change your logo. I promise you, you're going to do it. 
Um, you, if you can lock up the name first, that is much more important. It's broad. When people ask you, it's like, what kind of shoes are those? I don't draw them a picture, right? I say they're, you know, Ciccone's. So, so that, you know, internet search is, is based on that. It's, that's super, super important. So the, the two reasons that people, people's trademarks don't get registered or they wind up in litigation or they have other problems with them, most commonly, number one, it's confusingly similar to something else. Number two, this happens all the time, it is descriptive, too descriptive. And what that means is if, you're, if your name describes what you do, the government's not going to give you a monopoly on those descriptive terms. So if you are, you know, Miami t-shirt shop and you're in Miami and you sell t-shirts, they're not going to say you're the only one who can use Miami t-shirt shop in your name or t-shirt shops in Miami. They're not going to do that. It, it is what it is. It doesn't distinguish you. There's, there are way, if you've been in business for five years, you've managed to protect, okay. you've managed to prevent anybody else from using that mark. Um, and now the public only thinks of you when they hear that name, then there's a, there's a second, there's a, um, there's, there's what's called a secondary meaning, a, a 2F uh, way to, to, to protect that. But it, it's a bad place to start. Um, and a lot of people want to start that way because they want people to, they want people to see the name for the first time and know what you're doing. A valuable trademark is the opposite. It's they see a name that's completely distinctive, but they come to associate it with a particular business like Starbucks. Do you know where Starbucks comes from, the name? Anybody? Um, close. Uh, Melville. Shakespeare. Uh, it's, uh, yeah, yeah. Well, it's, it's a book, right? So it's, that close. it's well, Nike takes first name, name <laughs> Starbucks. So yeah. nothing to do with coffee in 1972. Right. Today, when you say Starbucks, you don't think of coffee. You think of that coffee, right? right. So that, that's a, that is a strong right. mark. Yeah. Because they have invested years, dollars, millions of impressions to develop that that recognition. So distinctness is important. There's a bunch of other reasons. There's I mean I get these occasionally, primarily a surname. Um, if it's offensive, um, they'll they'll refuse protection. There's a very interesting Supreme Court case about that this year. Uh, but but starting off right is is really important. And I think. For those of us who are in the, the, the apparel business, particularly the screen printers, screen printers have their own brand, um, and you guys have a brand, for example, but yep. your clients have brands too. Like as screen printers, you, we see a lot, of, yep. um, a lot of client marks, and I, I think it's, it's helpful to understand and maybe to help some of those clients know, point them in the right direction in terms of what, what the marks are. And you don't want to be in the... So a couple of things I want to talk about on, on this podcast today, when people give you a piece of artwork, whatever your, whatever your intake form does says, it should have them represent that they own or have rights to that artwork and they will indemnify you in the event that somebody else thinks that it's infringing. And so what that means is, if I bring you, Mark, a piece of artwork and ask you to print it, and it turns out somebody else says it's infringing, they're going to sue me, but they're also going to sue you. And, and you want me to promise to defend you, to step into your shoes and say, hey, this is my problem. I'll, I'll, I'll take care of it. Yeah. I like that. Yeah, that's a, 
Yeah, I like that. That's um, really, yeah, that's, a, that's, a, that's important. So is, um, so is there anything that are there, are there, so if I, if I have what I think should be a trademark right now, um, is there, is there something that I should do? Like so the, the first thing that, that, I, should that I would do in order is, to protect and, that? and you know, you can, you can uh, do this any way you'd like. You can talk to an attorney, you can um, do some initial research on yourself and yourself, or you can do a combination. The first thing I would do is what I call an audit. Understand what the, what your rights are or what your challenges are in that mark. So, so I work with a, cl a lot of craft brewery clients and Typically, they have a house brand, so they've got the name of the brewery, you know, Acme Brewery. And then if they're a production brewery, they've got, you know, four or six SKUs that they put in cans and they distribute. And I would say, first audit each of those, each of those brands, each of those marks, and understand what the competition, what the namespace is. When I say the competition, I want to know, is anybody else using something that is that mark or confusingly similar? Are there any applications or registrations for that mark or those are confusingly similar? Where are those people? Who are those people? So, so we sort of build a, when I do this for, when I do this as a lawyer for clients, I usually um, give them back a report that says, okay, here's the five names we looked at and here's what I saw for each name. This is the, these are the challenges. This is how serious I think the challenges are. Um, and this is who the challengers would be. Like, for example, if I had been representing that bakery, I would have said, dude, it's General Mills. It's like, it's a direct infringement. Change your name now. Like, that's what I would have said. Um, because, you know, General Mills is not going to back down and you right. know, they've got no defenses. And by the way, it's completely worthless for you to fight it, particularly if you're a new brand, because your brand is meaningless to everyone but you. It's your, your brand becomes valuable as the public interacts with it. Yeah. So, so fighting a trademark dispute early in your company's history is kind of a waste of time. You're better off finding a better brand name um, because your return on investment from that's going to be a lot higher um, with the, I mean, some people say that trademark fights are good because you get free publicity. Um, it depends. <laughs> no. No, just, yeah, it's a very dangerous game to, to play. Doesn't doesn't sound good to me. Um, okay, so in the uh, and and we're 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 about to to wrap up. We're getting close to time here, um, but I did want to um, ask a couple of questions that we've gotten on our custom apparel uh, startups group related specifically to this. And these are kind of common things that we hear and we get questions about. Uh, before we finish. So I think we have, we'll probably have like three or four more questions. So let's lightning round them out in like five minutes or less. Yeah, sounds good. So in other words, we, we've got one uh, um, lady, uh, Helene on the CAS group that does, she writes books and she sends them off to the copyright office and uh, and and that that handles the copyright part for her on that part of her business. Can she send embroidery designs on a CD? Um, to the copyright office with the appropriate paperwork and, and fees, and just have so, that serve so as as I enough would to get the copyright. Not want to answer that question I'm in a little bit more detail about it. I mean, she's going to have to submit a sample of her design, and she's going to have to basically show that okay. she's published it. So, so you know, again, going back to um, to okay. to what's 
what's what copyright protection covers uh, original works of authorship fixed in any tangible medium right so um so on a cd is probably a tangible medium but you know this is not how they're going to uh they're, they're going to be used if you if you if she published the the embroidery works on her website and said hey these are examples of my work or um or or you know these are designs that i have available that's probably publication um, but and 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 can she submit it electronically um okay. most of the, most of the when i do trademarks it's all electronic today all my specimens you know everything's electronic you you there are some people who like to do it the old-fashioned way the office actually charges you more for it um it takes longer you know there's like electronic submission is really the the norm okay um so one thing is is something that i've written down so i think we can answer this really quick nip it in the butt just to be very clear yeah uh, what what i've heard a thousand times i've read it on facebook i hear people say it in their training classes i hear customers say it on the phone well if you just change the design by 10 percent, you're not gonna be in copyright infringement and we've explained it probably in the first 20 minutes of this podcast that that is clearly no but but let's, yeah, so let's uh right again, and and, and you Seth, you, are you comment. trying to make it technically different but have a similar commercial impression that is a really bad idea um because First of all, I'm going to claim if I'm if I'm the holder of that original work, I'm going to claim that I've got. Forget about copyright. Let's pretend copyright didn't exist. I'm going to say, hey, I've got common law trademarks in that, and what you're using is confusingly similar, right? So, so you're you're not just having a copyright issue. And the ten percent rule, you know, it's it's. Um, that that is the kind of thing that people get get into trouble with all the time. It's a it's did a lawyer tell you that? Did they look at your did they look at your work? Did they look at what it was. What does ten percent mean? Ten percent of pixels? Like that? That's not a good idea. Yeah, yeah. Okay. So good. so it's just a general thing. Is just because it's different by 10% and, and you figured out how that math works. Like don't don't, don't base your business off of that. Really um, the next thing I have is... Do you remember the former president sure. of the United States? Yeah, yeah. So, th so there was this guy... Um, I never Barack met Obama, John Adams, but I like his He was running for president. A very famous artist made a poster of him. Remember that Shepard Ferry? Yeah, exactly. It was a, it was a it was a graphic. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. The whole it was a very graphical image of of the then candidate um, Barack Obama. So that image was a derivative of a photograph that was taken by a photographer and published by the New York Times. Just recently. The New York Times and Shepard Ferry settled the lawsuit for copyright infringement. Wow. So do you think that that poster was a 10% change from the original photograph? Wow. Yeah, more. No, yeah. 
Tons. Yeah. So, do you think they enjoyed the yeah um, more uh, yeah. the yeah. eight years Tons. of litigation um, and uncertainty? Yeah. yeah. So the um, next thing oh, that we have is um, yeah. So the um, next thing that we have is um, the, the little R with the circle and the right. Um, so. I like Nike does not have to put a TM or R or whatever it would be. I think TM um, in that corner to make it trademarked, right? That that doesn't like it doesn't mean I can copy it because it doesn't have the TM next to it. So is the TM and the R really just uh, for showing off, or does it actually have? any because i'm looking at mark stevenson's shirt and he's got an embroidered r but if he didn't that doesn't so mean first of all those two symbols it. mean something so, very different so the, the i guess the what's TM the point basically is just off. you saying that you feel like it's your trademark that you're saying that this is this is it's kind of like um your statement that you're using this as a trademark so you're you're providing some notice in in that mark and you don't have to use it every time you're just um a lot of times if you look at a um, at a press release, you might see the symbol in the first instance, maybe in the headline or maybe in the first sentence, but they'll go ahead and use the mark multiple times afterwards and, and they don't have to put it at every at every point. Um, the circle R means that it's registered by the, by the U.S. Trademark Office and it has a registration number that is currently active. And using the circle R, if your mark is not registered, is a big no-no. It's, um, you, you, are, you are basically saying something that is factually incorrect. You're representing. You're misrepresenting your mark as registered, and so that is um, that will get you into some big trouble. But what what if I never use it? What if I just what if I do register and trademark and I do all those things? I don't have to to use it, right? If you have used it. So what what I usually when so when I'm when I'm working with a client, you know they're they're going to be let's say you come to me and say hey. We've been doing this podcast for a few years, and we want to register a trademark for it. Um, so I'll say, okay, we'll start the process, and then I might say, hey, by the way, you might put the TM and superscript like right on your website, um, so people know that it's a that, that that you're treating it as a as a trademark and not a and not not anything else. And so then we'll work our way through the prosecution process, and once it gets registered, um, I usually. We'll send you a, uh, a happy email with uh, the attachment and then a snail mail version of the certificate. And in one of those correspondence, I'll say, hey, by the way, you should start using the Circle R now um, because it is, it, it gives, it's a, again, we got constructive notice. So the, the Circle R is actual notice, right? If you've seen the mark, it's, it, it's up there. Um, and it's a helpful fact for you if you have to, um, if you have to uh, enforce the mark. <laughs> oh, okay. So to me, the way I think about it is, um, don't mention the biker. I'm going to the biker. <laughs> oh, um, is if the, if, yes. if the woman, um, if the woman you're seeing at the bar, if she has a wedding ring on, that's like your, that's like your circle re- right. registered R right there. It's like, no, no, right. I don't care right. if I was in the bathroom. Look at her finger. Um, like you had, you had plenty uh, notice. Wow. 
I love it. Um, what, what what else do you have? What else do you have, Mark? Do you have another one? Uh, you know, one? I, I really just I kind of want to want to wrap it up um, by saying that I I think that that Seth has demonstrated his his the the attorney thing with the with the heart of a marketer. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, a lot of heart and, of a marketer and and provided us sure. with a lot of great information, which I do appreciate. So. <laughs> Uh, you know, uh, it'll be on your plaque. <laughs> it'll be on your plaque. So, um, really, what, what I, I think what I'd like to end with is there's a couple of clear instances that we've talked about where it just makes sense to talk to an attorney, um, not just about the trademark and copyright issues, you know, but maybe getting your your company set up if you really plan on developing a big brand. And there's all kinds of things that we didn't talk about. But a small business where an attorney might be useful, like, you know, um, how to deal with contract artists and the work that that they develop, you know, how to, you know, the the indemnification clause, things like that. What's the best way for folks to Um, approach you with this this kind of question? You're welcome to call. um, You call uh, 888-317-3556. So my partner is a corporate attorney. So we, we do, um, and we do federal, you know, trademarks are, are federal work. We do a lot of federal secures exemptions for people who are, who are funding their companies. Um, we, so you're welcome to, to call us and we will either direct you to an appropriate resource or if, if we're a good option for you, we're happy to happy to reach out and talk to you. Um, one of the things that you just mentioned is super important that dealing with contract artists, um, if they are 1099, not employees, the default rule is they own any work, um, even if they, and you want to make sure that your documentation um, changes that so that if, the, if you contract, if I contract Mark to, to, to make me a logo, I want to own the logo. Um, and if Mark's not my employee, the default rule is that he still owns it. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah, it's good stuff. And and I think one thing to um, that I wanted to say to finish off on on all this stuff is is it's really important when you're to always exercise your your gut of intent when you're going to create artwork. What's my intent? Am I am I attempting to circumvent or cheat or represent something else? And and if your gut is saying yes, I'm attempting then then you want to go ahead and, and, and do the, the, the right thing, whether it's just not do that artwork or maybe it's time to get with, you know, an attorney and say, hey, I'm building this brand. It's coming off. Here's my logos. I want to make yeah. sure everything is good. Can you help me? And then the second is, is you mentioned it depends and how important it is to understand that and how there are not police going around. So, yeah. so just because... Um, you st- steal something doesn't mean anyone is going to find it. And just because someone steals something from you doesn't mean that that you are going to find it. And if it is found and it's been changed by the 10 percent, right. you know, now it, it, it involves, you know, um, well, this I made a piece of art. This person stole it from me. Well, it's not just you can't call the police. You have to get an attorney. Yeah. The attorney is going to have to write something up. It's going to have to contact them. Their attorney is going to have to respond and it could turn into a lot of back and forth and it might have to go to a judge and it could cost tons of money where a customer will ask, you know, should I do something about this? 
And it's like, you know what? It depends. Yeah. You've, but you've got to consider that it's not always cut and dry and you're in a business and you're in an art type of a business. It's not always cut and dry. So act intelligently. Yeah. Make good. Do your best to make good decisions and consider, hey, if I had to go up to an attorney or if I had to take this to court, what's, what's my what's my gut defense on this? And what am I going to tell my attorney? And uh, And I think that it's important to just exercise all of your business practices like that with yeah. good intent. Yeah. Don't be shady. Don't be That's shady. Fine. Don't, be, don't shady. be shady. That's the new customer. Product <laughs> product don't be shady. All right. Listen, uh, Seth, it, it has been a pleasure. Thanks again. I'm going to put all your contact information in the show notes and I hope maybe we can do oh, this again awesome. sometime that's and up. ask a lightning round of even harder questions that you can't answer without more details. Okay. Yeah. And uh, Custom Apparel Startups bears no responsibility for <laughs> any advice given by yeah. by Seth, his partners, associates, or anybody who has a to write up that disclaimer. <laughs> All right, everybody. Uh, thanks very much for listening. This has been uh, Mark Stevenson from Coldessi and Mark Viola from Coleman and Company. You guys all have a good business. Woo! Woo!